Well, hello there. You are listening to Jelly and Bean, and this is a show where we talk about all manner of geek topics, tech, movies, TV shows, games, and more. It's hosted by none other than Brandon Maines, an unlikely hero from the distant lands of the United States, and myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly, an Apple fanboy with a heart of gold. Today is Friday the 17th of January 2014, and this is episode 57. Hello, Bean. Hello, Jelly. So, I'm just going to straight up assume that you have not watched uh, this most recent season of Sherlock. Uh, that's that's correct. You can also assume that I haven't watched any season of Sherlock. That's just that's just sad. It's Sherlock is such a good show, and the the team behind it is uh, Stephen Moffat and uh, Mark Gatiss from Doctor Who. Both excellent writers. Uh, Stephen Moffat is obviously the showrunner, the current showrunner for Doctor Who, uh, and has written some very good episodes. Although it's probably a little bit, you know, not so much since he started the uh, he started showrunning. And Mark Gatiss is probably the current best writer on Doctor Who uh, that there is. Moffat wrote the obviously writes all the very big and important things. Uh, he wrote the 50th anniversary special that we saw last year. He also wrote the Christmas special. So one of those was amazing. The other one was not so amazing. <laughs> Leave it up to you to figure out which was which. Mark Gatiss wrote the uh, the special An Adventure in Space and Time, which was uh, the biopic, I guess, of the uh, you know the f- start of the, the show. Sherlock is done by those two guys, basically. Uh, and it only comes out once every... <laughs> couple of years at this point um it's been a couple of years since season two we waited all this time we got three like 90 minute episodes and then that's it it's probably we probably won't see any more of it for another couple of years well Um, when you think it's really difficult when you think about it at 90 minutes an episode those are movies right but it's it's also a six episode season right like they do the same thing for doctor who and they do that on a yearly basis so it's just kind of one of those things, and I think the part of the reason that we didn't see it for like two years was that uh, was that their two stars, um, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin Freeman, were both obviously overdoing The Hobbit, right? Right. Which was like a, a year long filming thing where uh, you know which would have had Martin Freeman all tied up because you know he's the lead. And so, you know, it was a really long wait, but we got through it and uh, they had a couple of, they, they, had, they had a new, uh, like, lead character, I guess, that factored into this season, uh, you know, alongside of uh, Sherlock and uh, Watson. And we had a new new major bad guy, um, which, you know, I having had a couple of seasons where it was kind of all leading up to, you know, stuff with Moriarty, um, it was really interesting to see what they were going to do you know after that because you know like if you if you peak too early in some of the sometimes with these things uh the show can kind of deteriorate from there right uh but i, I think i think they did pretty well and i'm trying i'm trying to vary my heart as not to spoil because you're you're gonna go and you're gonna watch this i'm because i'm just gonna say that you will <laughs> <laughs> all right well you know may, maybe i'll watch it in in the short while, once all the shows go on break, right, and then I'll have nothing um, to do, 
and then I'll, ha- the and then I'll have is- to catch up on Buffy, and then I'll have to catch up on Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> and then then I'll be like, oh, great, now I have, you know, a couple days worth of free time, I'll, I'll use it, I'll spend it watching Sherlock. Right. Uh, the good thing is, and this will be this will be uh, something that you should that might give you a time limit as to when this should be done by. Uh, there is apparently two more seasons on route at, at, at least at this point. Uh, they've already discussed that they're going to be doing a season four, and they've already got details for the ideas and the ideas kind of laid out for season five. So he's more to come, apparently. You know, by heaps more, I mean six more episodes. But, <laughs> but I think we've got a lot to look forward to with Sherlock. Uh, anyway, so on to non-Sherlock things. We've talked about SimCity a lot uh, on the show. Several times, yes. Mostly for negative reasons. Well, SimCity has kind of lent itself to lent itself to that sort of news, right? Because uh, they've just basically made a really big kerfuffle about the whole thing. Uh, and kind of ruined it for everybody. And they started out on the back on a back foot and just kind of, you know, kind of got a little bit better, but not really enough to, you know, uh, make anybody feel better about all the really bad stuff that went on in the beginning. Yeah. Well, it, one of the one of the reasons we didn't like it was, of course, the uh, always online uh, feature, as, right. as they would describe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they've just recently announced that the next update will essentially add in offline play. See, I think this is one of these things that it was kind of inevitable that it would happen, right? Um, it, like, they, it, they said that it wasn't possible, <laughs> and then that was proved that it was possible. And then they said it was really hard, and we just kind of all went... Pfft not that hard you know people have done it like with the with the current bill by basically uh hacking you know hacking the the software and cracking it open and you know changing a few things here and there so clearly not that impossible not that difficult um but they you know they just basically kept saying that it was just not going to be something that was going to happen and um i think I think that's sort of like this their sort of attitude towards the whole thing and I got to be honest like I I played it I played it for maybe a few weeks there uh pro- I tried it out again when I up- updated my Mac uh my MacBook because well you know new more power so I wanted to see if it was <laughs> it could actually better. run <laughs> well it was running but it was you know it was it was running on a like hardware that was a couple of years old so it was you know not running at its best um and so I wanted to see if it was any good uh, with the new, with the newer hardware, and yeah, it was. Uh, but you know, there was still like some major issues with the with the game, just straight up how it was. One of those was the offline thing. Um, but like, I, I think that you know a lot of people are going to be uh, have probably felt the same way and just you know basically dropped the game after a, you know a week or two of play, and so they've basically now got all these servers that they you know spooled up to you know deal with the deal with the initial rush of people trying to play the game and uh now they're gonna sh- like you know they're gonna want to shut all those down and shut shut a whole bunch of stuff down and so you know people would get really peeved if you know they shut down all the servers and wasn't weren't able to play the game you have to be able to play the game otherwise you know it's essentially a waste of money yeah but i think i think it's all kind of led to the point where 
well, now they need an offline mode because otherwise they've just basically sold everybody a piece of thing, uh, like a thing that's not going to ever work because, you know, if they shut down the servers, which they're not necessarily doing, they'll, they'll need to have that. Well, they're eventually going to do it. Like they're not going to keep those servers on for 10 years and they might want people to keep buying right. the game. And that way, this game that you've purchased now is still going to be playable in 10 years once the update comes out. Right. And one of the things that, so, so it's not just, oh, I get to play my game offline. It, one of the things that this adds that you couldn't do before is make multiple saves of your city. Yep. So if you go, if you go, I don't know, this is the right building. I don't know what's going on here. Or I just want to build this road into the, the ocean because I can. Well, now you can do that and reload your previous game if it doesn't work out the way you wanted to. Before, you couldn't do that because it was online and every decision you right. made, um, you know, made, had some sort of reaction in, in another city in the region. Yeah. Look, I, I think this can only spell good things for the game and it may, may actually end up meaning that some people pick it up and start playing it again. I just, yeah, I think I think it's kind of too little, too late in this in this regards. Like this should have think this sort of thing should have been pretty much in there from at if not the get go, then you know shortly after the reaction to the initial you know hey why doesn't this have an offline mode should have been oh he- here it is and after all of their essentially lies like that's basically what they were because they said it was impossible they said it was really difficult and then they've you know they've turned around and done it it clearly wasn't and this version of SimCity has been a really black like a black black mark on the, on the uh, franchise's history and I I don't know how they're going to recover from that at all. Well, and it's it's not even just the no offline play. It's as we talked about when it first came out and as you mentioned that their their issue with not enough servers. I I think had they on launch had enough to handle everybody, even if they had too much and then they could slowly, you know, whittle it down as as they needed to. I I think the stories would have been a lot different. It wouldn't have been, it has no offline mode and I can't connect. It would have been, it has no offline mode, but it's still tons of fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, there's many ways that they probably could have dealt with this in in the initial, you know, during the initial launch. Uh, And you can kind of if and but over it, you know, as much as you like. But the end result is they didn't do it and the game suffered because of it. I I'm, I just think this is way too little of a response and way too late. Uh, you know, another, I guess, disappointment in the gaming world was the uh, the Wii U, which you have. But I, I know you think I think you've mentioned you've played one game and then you kind of two games. Two. OK, well, uh, this the, uh, last Christmas, um, Mel got me a game for the Wii U. She got me uh, Marvel Le- Lego Marvel superheroes. Oh, is that fun? It is quite a bit of fun. Yes. Um, the, the Lego games always are, and you know, so it was—it's the sort of game where it's not like super high power, you know, requirements. So I'm playing it on the Wii U, and it's—it's it's, yeah, it's quite good. There was an article that, well, maybe interview article—I don't know—an art review combination came out uh, that I saw on Kotaku, which was. Of course, as these sites always do, it's just a summary of some something from somewhere else. So that was originally on Eurogamer. Right. So the person who wrote this was, I think he worked for a third party that dealt with essentially when the Wii U was first in development. They were some of the people who 
uh, were kind of called in to help consult. Sure. Uh, so he kind of saw it from the very beginning. And one of the, you know, there's a, there's a couple interesting points in there, but the most interesting one was was this. So, like, he's talking about the, the way you use network capabilities. Um, mm-hmm. And he mentions... Uh, his team would offer certain scenarios to Nintendo to ask how things might work all the time, referencing how Xbox Live and PlayStation Network achieve the same thing. At some point in this conversation, we were informed that it was no good referencing Live and PSN as nobody in the, in Nintendo's development teams used those systems, which, which to me just kind of blows my mind because I, I listened to a podcast by Major Nelson, who's like Xbox Live's director of programming. And, and you know, so he's he's like the, essentially the face of Xbox Live. So you think... right. You know, you'd think, okay, never talks about anything else. But no, no, I, I know that he has a PS4. I know that he plays it. You know what I mean? So do all the other co-hosts on the show. Because, sure, sure. you know, and and he's not a developer, but the other some of the other people are. Um, And, like, that's what you do. You know, if you, if you have the money, you, you buy all the systems. And, you, you know, you, you play all the exclusives. And, you know, you see what out there. And at the very least, you see what your competition's doing. Right. But I just find it completely surprising that a company that is, you know, still a big company wouldn't have at least a general understanding of how the competition's network capabilities work, especially because it's not like it's not like they're new. You know, Xbox Live and PlayStation Network have been around for some time. Look, I I don't know that it's all that surprising. There's two reasons that I say that. The first is a like a, a conversation that you kind of see around the internet a lot, um, and it's this whole idea that uh, well, I mean I see it I see it a lot from like iOS developers and stuff because t- typically I like there are there's a reputation for for Nintendo amongst iOS developers because you know Nintendo is a is a kind of a retro brand that everybody loves uh, and. So these these developers that I that I uh, you know I follow or whatever they they talk about how you know it'd be awesome to have Nintendo do games for like iOS or you know for another platform at all you know to bring Mario to you know to an iPhone to the iPhone or you know to bring a Zelda game to the iPad and um, the general response that Nintendo's got for that is just you know straight up and down we don't do stuff for other con- like other you know consoles and other platforms um so it kind of, that it's it's kind of not a a a uh, it's not surprising in the sense that like they have they have a uh, they have a kind of point of view that we only do stuff for Nintendo consoles, and so they don't, you know, they they don't have any need to branch out from that. I guess um, the other the other reason that I th- I don't find it surprising is uh, you, you kind of have to look at how well how bad the Wii U actually is in comparison <laughs> to uh, even in comparison to the Wii, right? And I think the Wii might have been a bit of a mistake, and I don't. I don't mean like I don't mean like oh, you know, it was a mistake to ever release it. I think it's more like the Wii was kind of like they put it out there, and it just kind of happened to become really successful and popular amongst you know, uh, you know, amongst the casual gamer. Right. And they kind of, I think, it kind of happened by accident, nearly. Or at least it seems to, especially considering you know, especially what now when they tried to repeat that sort of uh, you know experience, I guess, with the Wii U, and completely and utterly failed. 
you know, the Wii U has sold really badly. It's not it, like it, there are no really kind of compelling games for the platform. Um, you, you, you basically, it's one of those things, you buy it to play Mario or you buy it to play, you know, Zelda. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. Um, like it kind of like the the fact that it's done so badly kind of suggests that they have no idea about what's going on around them. And I guess in that sense as well, it's uh, it it's not very surprising that they don't kind of uh, you know experience other consoles. Yeah, it's just it's it's a sad thing, and I, I think we may have mentioned this before. Like I think. We're of the generation where Nintendo is will kind of always have a special place in our hearts, but I have I I don't think I'm ever going to buy a Nintendo console because it's it's not worth for me it's not worth paying the couple hundred dollars uh, to to get one game or two games that I might be interested in as as much as I might really want to play them that that's 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 not really a cost effective solution for me right. And look, I I think you know, I, I it may change in the future. Like they they may eventually get to the point where they have no choice but to do like to do something for another platform, or you know, to to start looking elsewhere uh, f- for their you know for ideas of what to do. Um, that might happen in the future, and you know, all it will take is you know a bit of a leadership shuffle, and that could happen. You know, if one of the you know leaders decides to. Uh, you know, one, like the CEO decides to, uh, you know, retire or, or um, you know, or if he kicks it, to put it delicately, you know, that that might cause, uh, like, the, the, somebody coming in might actually, you know, take another look at these decisions that they've made and, you know, make a different choice. Um, but I think the issue, I think the biggest issue is that, you know, Nintendo as a company and Nintendo's, I guess, board and CEO and the people that are making these decisions they're too focused on the fact that they're a retro brand and not focused on enough on the fact that they need to actually continue to do stuff in the future. Um, it's one thing to, you know, to have that kind of nostalgic feeling, you know, about your company that you know that everybody has about it because it's it's just one of those things. Nintendo is like, it's a name that is well known because of things like, you know, the NES and the Super Super Nintendo you know, those consoles essentially formed a generation, but the Wii U is not going to form anything. Um, it's the, it's a nearly useless console. Um, really, the only good thing about it is that, you know, you can play Mario on it. Well, I, you know, and that's the reason that I bought it, because I decided I wanted to play some Mario. Yeah, I, th- I think I have a great idea for Nintendo. All right, so okay. th- this is this is up there with with all our other great ideas that no one ever listens to, right? Okay, so most people would love to play the their, I guess the the games Game Boy game original Game Boy games or even Game Boy Color things. So you know, po- Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. Uh, you know, again, Mario, Zelda games, Kirby games, that kind of thing. What Nintendo needs to do is release something in the shape of, say, the Game Boy Color, because the original Game Boy was probably a bit too uh, bulky, that is essentially an emulator and, and has, you know, maybe it has 15, 20 games, something like that on it, sell it for 100 bucks, 
enough people would go, oh, that's awesome. It gets carried around. You, you, you get the, uh, the, the retro cool looks from people going, oh, look at him. He's playing with a Game Boy Color. And you go, not quite. It's, it's part old, part new. And you're still playing your old games. Right. And that sort of thing is still available. But I don't think the only problem with that is that, that I think they're still caught up in the way that things used to be. And, you know, you just have to look at, you know, for instance, the uh, the network capabilities on the on the Wii U, uh, which are kind of really bad. Not quite and, there. Uh, you know, basically, you know, basically non-existent and pretty much useless. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that they've done that they've had to do with this console is kind of a bit, you know, flaky because, well, they're not very good at it because, you know, they, they, they have have this kind of uh, archaic, I guess, uh, point of view that they're kind of coming from. And uh, it's it's detrimental to, to Nintendo. And uh, it kind of makes me worry that they will, you know, eventually uh, go the way of, for instance, Sega, who, you know, basically had to give up the ghost on the console stuff and start making their games for other platforms. And have done relatively well since then, mind you. Uh, you know, not as great as they used to be back in the day. They were one of the two major console, you know, things. And at least Nintendo is kind of in the, kind of in league with with Sony and Microsoft in that particular instance. But uh, you know, it it doesn't. Ta- it's not going to take much to kick them out because they are, you know, out of the top three. They're number three. Yeah, and it's a very far three. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I I want Nintendo to do good things as much as the next person, but I I have my doubts. I have my doubts. So to kind of move on, let, let's talk a little bit about this something that happened this week. Uh, so do you remember when we talked about last year? We talked about the uh the Nest Protect. Was that the smoke alarm? That is the smoke uh the smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. Yes. So this week it was announced that Google is acquiring Nest for the enormous sum of three point two billion dollars. That is quite a few billion. So essentially, the I mean, Nest is a company with two major products. They have the Nest Protect and they have the Nest Thermostat. It's basically a company by that, that's you know run by ex Apple guys and. Uh, <sighs> Google has basically just, you know, brought them into the fold, I guess. And I mean, there are reasons as to why. In an interview uh, that happened uh, on, I guess, Monday, Tony Fidel basically went on record saying that he was spending like a lot of his time building the infrastructure of the company and not focusing on the actual products, which is what he basically is good at and loves doing. And so by moving, like by basically taking Google's offer, you know, of uh, being acquired, he can kind of focus back on to, you know, products and, you know, building building products as opposed to uh, dealing with just company stuff, which I guess is, you know, is something that uh, is good. However, the big problem is that a lot of people think that this is going to be uh, kind of a negative thing for Nest uh, and a negative thing for their products. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on online, uh, you know, a lot of jokes and that sort of thing, because, you know, people are genuinely concerned. Yeah, I have I have heard about that, you know, like essentially that now Google's going to know 
where you where you specifically where you are at all times because it can see you in your smoke alarm and from your thermostat. But one of the things that I think Nest put out uh, because of these types of rumors is that you know they they said you know we all the the kind of stereotypical company response the you know Nest cares about your privacy and just like before we will continue to treat your part you know your personal details with you know something or other safety and it's not they're not suddenly going to Google or anything like that right so I I, I think I think those fears are are a bit unfounded. Because, well, essentially, what would Google find out from your smoke alarm or from your thermostat? Like again, and not to say that just because it's not one of those, uh, you know, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to be worried about. But, but realistically, it it isn't. It'd be different if Nest made, you know, internet streaming home security cameras because now it'd be like, oh, Google knows when I'm home. Well, you know, Google's Google's gonna know when you've set your thermostat to, you know, to fifteen. And I'm not sure how that can really mesh well with the information Google already has. I, th- I think what's more likely is that this isn't is this isn't a Google advertising thing. This is a, a Google expansion thing because right. um, in, in that same interview, one of the things or yeah, yeah, actually probably it was probably the same interview. Uh, one of the things that uh, Tony Fidel said was that he's essentially reporting directly to Larry Page. Yeah, which which no, look, is essentially, you know, Larry Page is is Google, so this puts him as right below that, along with you know a couple other really big departments. Right, and that kind of thing suggests that you know it is true that they're going to be you know operating uh, separately as in a in a sense, like they're not going to take on Google's branding. It's not going to become Google Nest or you know Google Thermostat or anything like that. They they're basically conti- going to continue being Nest. Uh, as far as the announcement is concerned. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that there's, we're suddenly going to have, you know, Google stuff integrated into the, into the products. Um, it kind of seems a bit silly to have, you know, have a thing, a thermostat post on Google Plus about what temperature it is in your house. <laughs> um, but that being said, like. <sighs> wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. That's perfect. Because when you want to, when you want to, uh, when you want to increase the temperature, what are you going to do? You're gonna plus one it. This is uh, Google Plus's plan all along. <laughs> I see. Oh yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Just good to know that you bring in the bad jokes. Yes, it's, it's basically your it's your job, and you do it well. Uh, you know, it, it's but it's one of these things, right? Where it, it, the future is never is is never clear, and in the past, Google's past. Uh, uh, acquisitions have kind of laid a bit of a path that you can kind of see for what's going on and i think probably the uh the you know it, it's things like motorola which they kind of kind of still exists in its own kind of separate company but really they just you know acquired that for patents right because they wanted to do stuff with that uh you know they and then you know not long after that they released their next google phone with i think lg so it kind of suggests that they don't really, you know, that that's kind of a side note really in in the acquisition stuff. Software wise, typically what happens with stuff acquired by Google is that it gets acquired by Google and then pff, the the original product disappears because it just kind of gets uh, absorbed into other stuff. 
like for instance, there was an email client uh, for Mac called Sparrow that got purchased by uh, the company got you know acquired by Google, and then they just kind of all disappeared because suddenly they started working on on the Gmail clients and stuff like that. It doesn't have a good like they don't have a good track record as far as uh, as far as you know their previous acquisitions are concerned. That doesn't necessarily mean that this is going that's going to be the future for Nest. It could be very well be that they that you know they do get left left alone, um, you know. And the whole idea that you know we we don't need a thermostat that posts to Google Plus or you know Google doesn't need to know about our you know what temperature it is in our house so that they can you know determine whether or not to sell us you know to advertise uh, like winter clothing when we're surfing the web, um, you know that sort of stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to ha- not going to happen with this product, but maybe something will come in the future that's a lot more integrated with with you know Google products. Maybe a tea kettle that checks your Gmail account for you. I don't know. <laughs> you know, as far as I understand, you know, in in my expert knowledge of the situation, I think it's more that Nest is gonna is gonna become uh, like a Google Home Services division. Right. So they'll. I I think for as much as they can, they'll still be Nest, still be doing Nest-related things. Um, sure. And it won't even necessarily be, how does it link up with Google, but essentially it's smart home stuff. Yeah. Because that that is, I think it's one of those things that that's where the future's kind of heading. A lot of people want that kind of stuff. So Google, I think it's one of the things where Google's going to say, hey, why not? You know, there, there's money to be made here. You know, maybe this means in the future there'll be, uh, Google Nest branded light bulbs that you'll be able to control through, you know, the stock uh, Android ROM. You know, you won't have to install any special apps. It'll, there'll be a little, you know, you'll go to your settings and there'll be a home section. You click there and you can, you know, mess with all these kind of features. And it's just kind of a way of, you know, that kind of subtly linking them together to what they already have, but without it being a more obvious, like you said, the the kettle that checks your Gmail type stuff. Sure. I don't know. I, I I'd like to think that this will turn out well for nest because the products that nest have been making so far have been amazing and uh you know our our little discussion about like for instance the nest protect uh earlier like sorry late last year um we had good things to say about it because it's very like the the products that they're basically uh making uh and and refurbishing are products that kind of have fallen by the wayside they're 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 generally products that could be smarter and really should be smarter and yet have typically not been made smarter uh, by the companies that have already been present in that industry. Um, hopefully that will continue and, that, and you know, Nest will continue uh, under Google, as it were. Hopefully they will continue to, you know, create amazing products and create, you know, products that are as kind of revolutionary as the ones that they've made so far. Um it's kind of one of those things where we get to say our, you know, what seems to be our catchphrase and, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see <laughs> because to be perfectly honest, it's difficult to tell. Um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously you know, the, the guys that are, are, you know, in that are part of Nest, like for instance, the CEO, Tony Fidel, um, you know, it's, it's very obvious that they are very, uh, enthusiastic about what they do and they're very uh you know they're very keen to you know make make nest a better company and they think that by basically partnering with 
with Google uh, in in this way that they will make it better. So we just have to trust that that's going to be the case. And uh, yeah, wait and see how it turns out. Well, I think I'm going to make a prediction about what Google's next uh, acquisition will be. Okay. It's going to be jelly and bean. Because think about it, I think we have, we've proven time and time again that we are creative geniuses and, you know, we, we see ideas just, you know, like we, we can just pull things together and suddenly come up with just great ideas that no one seems to be doing it and we just don't have the resources to make it happen. So I think, I think, That's true. I think Google's going to be like those guys, there's, there's something special. We we need it's, we need to do, we need to do something about yeah. this. So either yeah, either yeah. either they're sending hitmen hitmen. Oh, <laughs> sorry again. Either they're sending hitmen towards us to get rid of us because that's what they want to do about it, or they're going to acquire us and use us use our powers for good. Hopefully for three point two billion dollars. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what I think. Um, you know what will we'll be nice. We'll we'll go down to one billion. Okay. Because I think I think Google. Yeah. I think, that's the that's the price. If you if you want jelly and bean, one billion. One billion dollars. That's that's five hundred mil each. I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a that's a, a living wage, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I can probably handle handle that. Plus so you know what? If I had five hundred million dollars, I would probably not spend it uh building technology to let me shrink down and talk to ants. Indeed. But uh I'm also not a superhero like Hank Pym. And Ant-Man. Oh, what a crazy coincidence. That's our next topic. <laughs> right, because he is being played by, apparently, as uh, we found out this week, he's being played by Michael Douglas. The the esteemed Michael Doug- Douglas. Do, oh, does he have a title now, does he? Well, I think he should. I mean, I he, he's not up there with my, my list, but he's still pretty good. Hey, look, it's it's an... It's an odd choice, really. Like, it's kind of like, um, I would not have ever expected in my life that Michael Douglas would be picked to uh, to be a relatively major character in a Marvel film. Like, in, it's just in any superhero film, right? But yeah, it's 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 an odd it's an odd choice, and yet there it is. Okay, now I feel like we need to clarify while he is playing Hank Pym the the original ant-man he is it is actually that is the original ant-man who is not going to be the main character in the ant-man movie that's coming out in well, i think next year yeah it's coming out in july of next year so he he's essentially going to be playing like the 60s era ant-man um and paul rudd will be playing scott lang who is one of the newer incarnations of ant-man which is interesting, and this this is very interesting because so far, like in this kind of Marvel universe, around things that have to do with Ant Man, uh, we know about Ultron, right? Who was who is, created by uh, Hank Pym, and he is the lead villain in the newest uh, in the upcoming Avengers Two, which is subtitled, coincidentally, Age of Ultron. Yeah, well, I, I think from from the rumors we've heard is that Ultron's not going to be a Ant Man creation in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It'll probably be a Tony Stark thing, maybe something to do right. with Jarvis or something like that. So they've already kind of, I guess, moved away from um, Hank Pym in general, um, which is which is fine, I think, because as as much as 
yeah, I think a lot of people have heard of Ant-Man. He's not really a A-list character. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that this, I mean, that, that sort of stuff is stuff that we kind of think that we know. I don't think we'll ever know everything completely until once we see the until once we see it and actually hit the screens. So it it could very well be that maybe he, maybe Ultron isn't made by Hank Pym, but maybe there is some sort of tie in there that they're going to use for Avengers. It's kind of difficult to know. Uh, but, you know, like you said, it's probably not going to be the case. But it is interesting that, you know, they're basically writing a Hank Pym that is, that, well, he could very well be around for the for that kind of to occur. Whereas what we have had known previously was that, or what we thought we knew, was that, that Hank Pym wasn't even going to be in the mix yet. And so... Uh, and so, you know, it was never going to be even possible for him to have had a hand in creating Ultron. Now that's that's changed. That's something different that we we didn't expect. Um, because I, I think everybody thought that uh, that this Ant Man was actually going to be about Hank Pym, and that that character was going to be being played by Paul Paul uh, Rudd, who is you know playing the second in- incarnation, I guess, uh, Scott Lang. It's just it's just an interesting decision. Like it's it's very odd. Like I'm very I'm very kind of uh, surprised by the whole thing, really. Yeah, but uh, and again, I think where we started this, Michael Michael Douglas is a pretty talented actor, so I don't think he would have taken the part if he thought he couldn't do a good job with it. So at, at the very least, I think we can we can say that the Hank Pym character in Ant Man will be good. Absolutely. Look, I'm looking forward to seeing Ant Man anyway. Uh, it's so far it's got fairly good um you know people involved with it i do love me some Edgar Wright. um you know paul Wright is a relatively good choice for a leading man and now that we know that michael douglas is in the mix as well look it it's kind of lined up lined up to be a really good movie the whole thing is very interesting it's just it's just odd yeah <laughs> well you, you know what michael douglas um the the mass effect series in I think two Mass Effect two and three, he actually does a he does a voice for one of the characters, right? Which is I, I, again, I think it's one of those things where people go, Michael Douglas does a voice in a video game, like that. I think that's a weird thing as well. So I, I think he's no, I think not. I don't want to say recently because he's done a, a, a he's done movies that are a bit strange before as well, like not not choices you would expect. So I think he's the type of actor who will just go, no, no one expect me to do that. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, look, no, it it is a uh, it's a very strange thing, and it, it, like, and obviously he's you know he's no stranger to being strange. <laughs> I think I need, I think I have a topic on mine yes. that <laughs> I can't get off my mind. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of strange, yes, yeah. yeah, so there there is another there is something that is much less substantial, uh, and that is the rumor that Johnny Depp is one of the choices for Marvel's Doctor Strange movie. I just, I mean, I know a few people have said that they can, like, that they they can see this and, like, they can see how it works. I just, I just don't. Like, I can't see Johnny Depp outside of anything other than a Tim Burton movie, and that's probably, like, you know, that's probably very narrow-minded of me. But it's, you know, it, it's one of these things where I... I I, I don't expect it, and I like Johnny Depp is probably not one of my 
wouldn't be a pick for me for for being in any of the Marvel Marvel movies. I I can't think of a character that really. I mean, it's probably going to be Doctor Strange if it's going to be anybody, but I don't know that. I don't know that I want him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think I have the, I have I have mixed emotions about Johnny Depp. Like I know he's a talented actor. You know, like where he's in scene. You know, movies he's in, he's usually good. But right. he's such a strange actor, right? That it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to. I mean, maybe maybe it's because he's maybe he's too good. Maybe that's the problem. Is it? It's maybe kind of, that's it. It's hard to separate him. I think from some of his roles, right? Yes, no, absolutely. And I think that's the problem. It's hard to go. No, no, that guy was the drunken captain from Pirates of the Caribbean. How is he going to be Doctor Strange? Or that guy was the murderous barber from Sweeney Todd. How is he going to be Doctor Strange? Like it's, and I think I think that's the problem I had when I read the story. I was like, really? You know, like I just don't know. Like, yes, he could probably pull it off, but I don't. I don't know if I want him to. <laughs> Look, he is a like he is a a Disney actor. He's done a lot of movies with them. He did, like, for instance, Pirates of the Caribbean with them. Uh, he was in Alice in Wonderland, uh, the, which was a Tim Burton, um, you know, the Tim Burton essentially remake, I guess. Uh, he he's he's done a lot of stuff for Disney, so it's not it wouldn't be surprising to see him stick with the uh, to to kind of stay in the um, in the fold, so to speak, uh, and uh, you know, do something with Marvel. I find it very difficult to kind of picture it because it's an odd it's an odd pairing. It's just it's really odd. Like it's not like Michael Douglas odd where it was kind of unexpected, but I can totally see it and it will be good. It's kind of odd in a way that like I can't I can't picture it and I don't I don't know if it's gonna be good or not. Like I can't it, I couldn't kind of It's it's hard it's hard to wrap your mind around, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really difficult, and I think I'd have to like I'd have to probably do a little bit more research, you know, read a lot more Doctor Strange, and then kind of, you know, try and match him up with the Johnny Depp that I kind of that I've seen. Well, you know, I I think part of the other thing is a lot of at least the characters he's most famous for are very um quirky, like almost slapstick in the way like again. Jack Sparrow is probably his most famous character. Right. And and Doctor Strange is a very like it's not a funny comic. Like you don't read it for left. It's it's very like serious and supernatural. You know, so it's one of those things it's hard to go, okay, how how am I gonna mesh those two? And, and again, it's just be, it's it's just because of the roles that he's pl- that John Dipp has played recently have all been kind of the same kind of you know weird guy looks at the camera has a funny face and then runs away while being chased by a bunch of other guys and just yeah like quirky like quirky stuff not like necessarily funny but just like really odd and quirky stuff yeah it's hard to it's really hard to kind of uh have an opinion on it because it's just it's just a really odd picture it's it's kind of one of those like a lot of the time we see like especially rumors and stuff we we have rumors about you know actors who want to play a character or something and it kind of really does line up um and you can kind of see it in a way but i i i just i just can't i just can't picture it i just can't it just doesn't jive in my head mm. 
Yeah. Well, do you, you know what? This would be the perfect thing for our listeners to get in contact with us to tell us what they think. Indeed. And in fact, that's what you can do. So, if you'd like to get in touch with us, tell us about you know about what you think about this particular pairing with you know Johnny Depp with Doctor Strange, or even you know Michael Douglas as Ant Man, or all any of the other things that uh, we talked about. You can uh, you can jump on our website jellyandbean.co forward slash contact and send us an email. And uh, while I'm doing you know this stuff, we might as well wrap up because I think that it's about time for that. Uh, so if you would like to read about any of the stuff that we've talked about today, uh, we'll put all the articles and stuff that we've uh, that we've pulled from into the show notes and you can find them jellyandbean.co forward slash 57. Uh, if you would like to get in contact with us individually, you can do so on Twitter. Bean is brandroidattack, B-R-A-N-D-R-O-I-D-A-T-T-A-C-K and I am at Jelly Bean Soup on Twitter. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, it's been a great episode. It's been great to talk to you. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, we will be back and bigger than ever, I guess. Why not? We'll see you then. Bye.